Good day, world. Good day, good day, good day, good day, good day. Welcome back to my podcast. This is History Today with Onik. And my name is Oniko Yayomide. It's been a while since I said that. Well, yeah. Today's Friday. And it's the last weekday of the week. Some people are going to get to rest tomorrow. Some won't. Some people are happy. Some aren't. Some are worried. Some are depressed. Some are distressed. And some are running up and down. Everyone has a problem. Everyone has an issue. Whether it seems big to you or not, be nice. I thought my message today was going to be, don't stop fighting, but it's actually be nice. People act like being humans is hard. Maybe sometimes it's hard to go out of your way to do something for someone just because you want to show that you're a human. But being nice cannot be, should I say over-exaggerated? Just be nice. Today I want to tell you about the Asaba Massacre. I want to tell you about the unprovoked massacre of the Asaba people, majority of which were males, men, and young boys in 1967. Yep. This massacre happened during the Nigerian Civil War. Asaba is across from Munisha, and as most people know, the civil war began as a result of the secession of the Biafran nation. Onisha is a Biafran, is, is a Biafran city, but Asaba was never a part of Biafra. Now, the civil war began for real in 1967 after Biafra declared itself as yeah, a nation on its own outside of Nigeria. And by August the Biafran army had progressed through the Midwest after crossing the Niger Bridge that connects it, connects Onisha with um, Asaba. And they were headed for Lagos. They are taking over Benin City, but the Nigerian federal troops counter-attacked them. And since the Nigerian army were more armed and had better training, they successfully pushed back the Biafrans across the Niger River. Now the Biafran army retreated into Onisha and blew up their end of the bridge so that the troops would, wouldn't be able to pursue them into Onisha. <laughs> By so doing, the frustrated soldiers were left on the Asaba side and it was and it was at this point that the people of Asaba met their ill fate 
Now, I must mention that the Asaba people are predominantly Igbo. They are highly educated and they were allegiant to the course of a multi-ethnic united Nigeria. But all of this did not... Yeah, okay, the fact that they are predominantly Igbo anyway might have been a trigger. <laughs> That's not even excusable. Now, on the 5th of October, the Nigerian troop, Nigerian federal troops had occupied Asaba, claiming that they were Biafran supporters. They ransacked houses and they killed civilians individually and in groups across the town. I told you that they were highly educated, right? And so this came as a shock to the townspeople of Asaba who expected the federal troops to behave appropriately since at the time, General Yakubu Gohan had issued a military code of conduct. He was the head of state at the time. I think most people know that. Well, this did not stop them from killing hundreds in the days that followed, most of which were boys and young men whom they accused of collaborating with the Biafrans. Some of the people they killed were targeted, while the others were random. They chose people, lined them up, and killed them, showing the others that way, yeah, that followed them that okay yeah this is what your fate is going to be very soon patience chukura who was a young woman at the time recounts her experience saying her husband and his brother were gone down near the police station she said and i quote this made me hysterical i held on to the soldier and said why did you kill my husband? Guess what the soldier did? He hit her on the chest with the butt of the gun and he said to her, Woman, if you're not careful, you'll get killed as well. Now, according to Walisha Inka, that some people were the most vulnerable Nigerians because they were Midwestern Igbos. And they were caught between their desire to remain a part of the Nigerian nation and their identity with their Eastern cousins. The federal troops lined the streets, littered the streets with corpses, burned houses, and abducted women. Now, on the 7th, the Asaba leaders assembled all the townspeople, hoping that through a show of support for one Nigeria, the federal troops would end the violence. Hundreds of men, women, and children dressed in their ceremonial white attire and waving the Nigerian flag, they paraded along the main street singing, dancing, and chanting One Nigeria. According to survivors, as soon as they got to the junction, 
The troops separated the men and boys from the women and young children, and they gathered them in an open area in Ogwelsoa village. I don't know if I pronounced that well. Apologies. The federal troops revealed machine guns, and as the crowd began to realize what might be happening, panic grew. The general fear was that the troops were going to wipe out everybody in Asaba, especially the male children, and they were not far from the truth. Women tried to disguise their sons with their skirts and blouses, but they were in the open area and no one could run anywhere. Orders were given by Major Ibrahim Taiwo, who was second in command at the time. Second in command to Muritala Muhammad. He gave orders to open fire. And Asaba indigents were gunned down in vengeance. Yes, I said vengeance. That's another long story. But if you've, if you've ever heard the name of Major Chukuma Kaduna in Zilgu, you would know what I'm talking about. And even if you don't, don't worry. I'll talk about it in another, yeah, another episode. Now, an estimate of 1,000 Asaba indigents were killed, of which more than 700 of these were men and boys. Boys that were as young as 12 years old. They tried to run, of course. And they fell on each other as the troops kept shooting and shooting. After a few hours, there was silence. And when it felt like, okay, the soldiers had finally left, the survivors climbed out from among heaps of bodies. Asaba officially became a ghost town. Moving like zombies, some families retrieved their bodies, retrieved the bodies of their family members, but most of them were buried in mass graves without ceremony. In the days that followed, majority of the inhabitants fled from Asaba. Many of which, by the way, were helped by soldiers. Now think about militants is they follow orders to the letter right some have their own moral standing while some don't so i guess some of the people that did have a moral standing helped yeah majority of the inhabitants to flee the federal troops occupied asaba for many months and in this time Many women and girls were raped and some were forcibly married. Most of the town was destroyed so entirely that Asaba literally disappeared from the official role of Nigerian towns in 1969. 
the atrocities committed against the Asaba people until date not known in its entirety. One of the reasons is the lack of media coverage at the time. And even though Biafra and the Civil War was world famous, you can guess where the attention was wholly focused. Another reason is that the federal government suppressed with everything the accounts of military action against civilians in the Midwest. Does that sound familiar? Sounds familiar to me. The massacre received no press coverage and the government carefully managed the international media. And so Nigeria's greatest recorded genocidal acts is in truth not really recorded. I should say second greatest because there was the Igbo. I didn't even know if I should call Okay, they called that the pogrom though. I really don't know the difference between a pogrom and a genocide. I guess I have to can check. Pogrom. I guess I have to check. But yeah, this came after the plenty killings of Igbo people. Many still dismiss the Asaba massacre when mentioned as unprovable, unproven, no accounts. <laughs> In commemoration of the 50th year anniversary, a book based majorly on witnesses' accounts was launched in 2017. The title is The Asaba Massacre Trauma, Memory, and the Nigerian Civil War. And it was written by S. Elizabeth Bird and Fraser M. Otanelli, both of whom are professors at the University of South Florida. Well, Shinka has a book, Mandai. He wrote it, I think, two or three years after the actual massacre. Shortly after, let me just say shortly after, since I'm not sure of the year. Shortly after. Yet, 54 years later, most people can't even come out to say the stories because of fear. They are even too traumatized to want to talk about it. Have you ever heard of the Asaba massacre? I studied history in the university four years, five. Yeah, graduated 2019. And I saw it for the first time day before yesterday. First time. Saw and heard of it for the first time. I also ask a question everybody is really afraid to ask. Is there really one Nigeria? So if you don't know, one of the reasons why the Biafrans decided to leave the country is because as at September 1966, they had killed over 30,000 Igbo people. Why? Because in 1966, in January, five Igbo guys, five Igbo militants decided to overthrow the civilian yeah, overthrow the civilian governments because it was like, uh, okay, our country is not even six years old yet and things are not going the way they should go. At least that's what I believe they did it for. 
That's what I was taught that they did it for. They were killed after they did it. And so nobody even knows the truth as to why they did it. They were killed by another Igbo man, Aguinrosi, who declared himself shortly after that as the commander of the country. And so the houses felt like in during the coup, two housemen, two prominent housemen were killed. The Prime Minister, Safar Balewa, and the Sadorna of Sokoto, Amadu Belo. And so the Northerners feel like, oh, you want to take over? Hell no. And so they started killing people in May 1966. Is this one Nigeria? Is there a one Nigeria? I get the fact that we want to fight for what we believe in. But I want everybody to ask themselves, what is it that, like, what does one Nigeria look like to you? Because this is 61 years down the line. And (laughs) it's just as bad, worse even. Worse. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, remain blessed. Remember that tomorrow will be weekend special where I talk about random things. I don't know what I'm going to talk about tomorrow yet, but I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Take care of yourself and please ask yourself this question. Bye. Stay safe.